Hi folks, welcome to Deep Dive Radio. I'm your host, Alan James. This show is dedicated to revealing the truth that lies beneath the surface. Are you ready for the truth? Then join me now for another exciting episode of Deep Dive Radio. This is a little quick tip. Welcome to Deep Dive Radio, folks. This episode is called Stay With It. All right, so what do I mean by stay with it? Well, if you have a passion for something and you really want to be successful and you really want to master this thing that you're passionate for, if you stay with it, you're going to be successful. And that's what this episode is all about. Hey, so I got a special show for you today. This one is called Stay With It. Now, I know uh, this show is usually about revealing the truth that lies beneath the surface. And that's true this week, but it's a little bit different subject. This week, I wanted to touch on a different subject that in a way is also revealing, but it's an elusive kind of truth. Uh, The subject we'll be taking a deep dive into is about the secret of success. All right, you see, not too long ago, a friend of mine gifted me a book written by a motivational speaker named Earl Nightingale. Now, Earl recorded an LP album called The Strangest Secret back in the 50s which just happened to be the first spoken word LP to sell over a million copies. His words have not only motivated me and many other people, but helped me understand the secret behind what makes for success. You know, so I listen to this album every day for over a year now, and it's been, to say the least, very instrumental in getting me to understand what it takes to be successful in life. And because his words were so helpful to me, I thought it only prudent to pass his words on to you as well. And so later at the end of this podcast, I will post Earl's original recording of Stay With It back in the 50s. So you stay with me and we'll have that for you right after the break. Hey gang, listen, if you're worried about the spike protein because you got the mRNA vaccine, then we've got the solution for you here at Deep Dive Radio. We're proud to tell you that we've recently partnered up with the wellness company and they've got a product called Spike Support, okay? And this product can help to dissolve the spike protein that is associated with COVID-19 and the jab. It has six dynamic ingredients, but one of the ingredients is natto kinase, which is a staple food for the Japanese who are well known for living extended lives. So now, let's listen to the second most published critical care physician in the world, Dr. Paul Mera, and what he had to say about the benefits of natto kinase. Take a listen. There is a product called natokinase. What's truly astonishing about natokinase, it has a number of really, you know, very important effects in people who've been spiked. What natokinase does, it breaks down spike outside the cell. The other thing that natokinase does, which is truly astonishing, natokinase via a number of pathways breaks down these fibrinous clots. All right, so that's great news for folks that took the vaccination and are worried about how much spike protein is in their blood. So to get your discount on spike support formula, just go to deepdiveradio.com forward slash spike dash support to get your 10% discount on this amazing product, which by the way, I use every single day. So I'm back. So let's get started. Reflecting back to my youth, I remember thinking as a young boy, how I felt a little different than the other kids. You know, and I think all little kids feel that way. They all feel like they don't quite fit in. They're a little bit different. You know, I, for me, I always seemed to be the last one done with whatever task was given to me. 
And it wasn't until later in life when my vocabulary grew enough where you know I was able to articulate and explain it in words why I was so different. It, you know, it occurred to me that I was different because I didn't have give up in me like the other kids. You know, they'd go, they'd be, you know, halfway through the same project that I would be on, they'd, they'd quit and they'd go do something else, but I was still at it for hours and hours. No. You know, I guess you could say I was blessed with an extra dose of tenacity. You know, I was the kid that put the model plane together to look just like the box, and I didn't care how long it took to get the job done. And still to this day, I stay with it beyond what most people consider a reasonable amount of time. You know, whatever I was trying to accomplish, I would work at it until I got it. I just hung in there. That's the way it is. And, you know, the reason being for me is that I had a lot of passion for what I was doing. I loved what I was doing. I was interested in the thing, and I was absorbed in the process. Totally absorbed. Now, fast forward today, as an art teacher, you know, I listen to my students, and sometimes they just throw their hands in the air. And they say things like, I just don't have the talent for it. So they just resign themselves to just quitting. So my reply to them is this. If you have the passion for it, you will succeed. And that we're all pretty much born with the same tools. If the desire is there, you'll find a way to succeed. That's the key. And then I go on to tell them about my own experiences of being passionate and how it helped me in every single time to get from the initial state of frustration to the end result and elation. So when I first discovered the French Impressionist work, a light bulb went off. I mean, it's like, okay, this is what I've been looking for for a long time. And I knew in my heart, you know, this is what I've been looking for and immediately started on my quest to learn how to paint just like the Impressionists. And I immersed myself in it. I was passionate about it. You see, because it, it touched me to my core. You can feel that. And I fell in love with it. I mean, it's like the same feeling you have when you meet that special someone. It's like an inner voice telling you. I think we've all had that. That he or she is the right one for you. Okay? So anyway, back to the story. Off to the bookstore I went, gathered every book I could find on the subject and started to paint with you know, passion, enthusiasm. Oh yeah, there was a lot of frustration and my first paintings were downright awful. But like the determined boxer, I kept getting off the canvas. Start punching again, over and over. Now, yeah, sometimes I got knocked out. But as my skills improved, I began to win those bouts. So what I'm saying here is after several more attempts, I finally painted one that I liked and I remembered the joy it brought me. Anyway, that day I, I decided to reward myself by getting it framed, you know, hang it on the wall as a gift to myself. Sort of like a trophy, I guess. The point is, if you just stay with it, you will succeed. But first and foremost, you have to have the passion about it. Okay, you have to be passionate about it. You know, when I ask my students, what are their passions? Do you have any like dr dreams of what you, or at any point in your life, did you have a, a dream about what you'd like to be, whether it's a baseball player or a ballerina? And many of them reply that they don't remember having one. They had no idea. But I think it's probably more likely they were ashamed to admit that they had one 
or even worse, had forgotten what they were entirely. You know, you know and I think that comes from conditioning since childhood, either by being discouraged to following your dreams by their parents or their friends and told, hey, those are just pipe dreams and that, you know, you got to pick something that's safe and secure, regardless if it's your, you know, passion or not. And that's where it starts, you know, okay? What I say to that, look, it, no job is secure. And to, to, to think that there is job security in every job is downright foolish. Okay? There's no job security in any job. You know, I always tell my students that my motto has always been to follow your dreams. If you start there, then only success will ensue. Yes, you'll fall down and fail at the beginning and from time to time afterward. But failure is not a bad thing. In fact, it is our best teacher. And it's a vital and a necessary step to the path of success. I mean, did you ever stop to think about the great musicians or athletes that had gotten to a level of mastery in their fields? You know, they didn't get there on just talent alone. They got there because they spent hours upon hours of practice and hard work. Only to them, it wasn't hard work. Why? Because they had a passion for it. The work was done willingly because they were staying true to themselves and following their dreams of passions. So next time you find yourself daydreaming about something you would love to do, pay attention to that voice because that's the thing you're supposed to be doing. Look at that as a signal, a message, and not some crazy pipe dream. All right? And you might argue, you might hear other people argue, the authorities, the know-it-alls. Well, how's that going to put bread on the table? Or... I've got to make money and and my fantasy could never provide enough for me to live on. And I say to that, humbug, and you miss the point. Use your brains. Follow your dreams and stay with it. You know, use more of your brains. Turns out we only use about 5% of our brains. How about adding a couple of percentage points? Use more of your brain. And you have to ask the question, is money worth more than my happiness? You would think that most people would say no to that question. But alas, they don't. Instead, they somehow believe by making more money that this is the road to happiness. I don't think so. I believe that happiness comes from within. You could be a multi-gazillionaire and be unhappy, my friends. You can be a pauper and super happy. Watch the Prince and the Pauper movie. Remember that movie? Watch that. That's a good example of that. So anyway, if you find something you're passionate about, then feed your soul by pursuing it and become rich beyond your wildest dreams. So my friend, dare to dream and most of all, stay with it. And as promised, I'll have Earl Nightingale's version of Stay With It right after the break. Hey gang, did you know that Deep Dive Radio has a brand new way for you to help us out so we can keep bringing you the truth? That's right. You can buy us a cup of coffee now. Well, at least the equivalent of one anyway. Well, you can buy one, two, three, or any amount of cups for us. You can also opt to be a member and a monthly donor. 
All you have to do is go to deepdiveradio.com and donate now. So as promised, here's Earl Nightingale's version of Stay With It. Enjoy. When I resigned my cushy job at CBS in Chicago in 1950 and started my own program on WGN, I also agreed to help sell time on my show by calling on advertising agencies. So I'd write my next day's program at night at home, then first thing the next morning I'd start hitting the advertising agencies to tell them why their clients should be advertising on my daily radio program. I was completely unknown in the Chicago market or anywhere else for that matter. My time on the air amounted to just 15 minutes each afternoon. My prospects would say, No, sorry, your program is not in drive time. That was a ridiculous cliché, since at any time in Chicago there were a zillion cars on the roads and highways to say nothing of the ten zillion people listening to their radios at home in about a six-state area. But that's the kind of answer I got, and so I became acquainted with the word no. After making calls on numerous agencies and getting nothing but no's, I would then rush to my tiny office in the Tribune Tower, get my program ready for broadcasting, and when the little red light came on, I was to be cheerful. Month after month, I made the rounds, and as I did, my thoughts often drifted back to those untroubled days in the quiet, air-conditioned studios at CBS, when all that was expected of me was the occasional exercise of my larynx. Stay with it, I would tell myself. One time I surprised a gentleman standing next to me in the men's room of a Chicago high-rise by actually muttering it aloud. What was that? Sorry, I didn't hear you very well. Oh, well, nothing, nothing at all. Just talking to myself, I suppose. Embarrassing, yes, but no less important for that. Stay with it. I knew that if I could just stay with it long enough to earn the respect and notice of the Chicago advertising community, I could succeed at my project. Stay with it, I would say to myself on those cold, snowy mornings and hot, humid summer days. Stay with it, I would say to myself on those heartbreakingly beautiful mornings when all in the world I wanted to do was play hooky, play golf, or walk along the lakefront in the park. So I made my calls, and I broadcast my programs, and I heard otherwise intelligent agency people say to me, Radio doesn't work for us. I would then say, when you say radio doesn't work for us, it's the same as a commanding general saying, tanks don't work for us, or airstrikes don't work for us. The effective commander makes best use of all forces available to him, and so does the good advertising executive. What do you mean radio doesn't work for us? What radio? Which radio? Which program or personality? Surely some facet of an industry as broad, pervasive, and successful as American radio will work for you. In fact, my program will work for you in Chicago. I'll see to it that my program does a good job for you and returns sales at many times the volume of its small cost. So I'd win the argument and lose the sale. Once he'd made his statement, he had to stand behind it or run the risk of being a reasonable, flexible, intelligent advertising executive. And that was indeed a great deal to expect. It was in Crock's old bookstore on Michigan Avenue that I found the copy of Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, in which I'd found that six-word secret to success I'd been searching for for so many years. I took the book back into Crock's bookstore and pigeonholed Adolf Crock himself. Buy time on my radio program and I'll sell this book by the thousands of copies, I said. We've tried radio. It doesn't work for us, he replied. 
Don't confuse my radio program with the word radio. My program will work for you with this book and with other books in your store as well. He thought a moment, then he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you 40 cents a copy for every copy of the book you sell. Well, I wasn't supposed to work on commission. I was supposed to bring in contracts, 13-week, 26-week, or 52-week contracts. You've got a deal, I said. Not since the publication of Gone with the Wind had old man Croc seen orders for a book come in the way they came in for the next few weeks, as he wrote me very sizable checks for the thousands of orders at 40 cents a copy. He wished he'd followed my advice and simply bought airtime on my program. It would have been infinitely cheaper. He promptly rectified the matter. I got him to write a letter telling what my program had accomplished for him, and from that time on, with the proof the followers of the world need before they'll make a move, my program began to attract sponsors. It grew from 15 minutes a day to a half hour, then to a full hour, then an hour in the afternoon and a half hour in the morning, then to additional half-hour daily television program, all happily sponsored. On the program, I talked about things I found to be interesting, books, philosophy, people, events. My only rule for subject matter was that it had to be interesting to me. If it was interesting to me, I felt it would be interesting to a large section of the radio audience, and I was right. I've long thought it shameful the way the broadcasting industry as a whole has underestimated the listener. I think the radio listener wants more than repeated news, weather, and music. Radio is certainly one of the greatest educational opportunities in the world, the only rule being, keep it interesting. My habit of muttering to myself, stay with it, had paid off, just as it always does. The world is full of those who tried to get out of the doldrums and meeting with difficulty and repeated turndowns retreated back to the big crowd. What's really amazing are the number who've made a sortie into a business of their own and failing have fallen back never to try again. Why should succeeding at a business of one's own be easier than learning to ski or play the piano? We're likely to fail at first. It's part of the learning process, but it's no reason to give up. We learn something important from every failure. It's staying with it that separates the winners from the losers. All right, folks. I hope you enjoyed the wise words from Earl Nightingale. But unfortunately, that's all the time I have today. But join me every Sunday at 10 a.m. for another exciting episode on Deep Dive Radio. So long now.